Well, today we are going to look at something that is pertinent to everyone, whether it's us personally or a family member or someone we know, and that is the subject of depression. What is the Christian response to depression? Can a Christian be depressed? These are important questions that many people wonder about, especially with the rise in depression rates here in the United States. Now, of course, as we talk about depression, we need to understand there are varying degrees or varying depths of depression. We've all felt down. We've all felt blue or melancholy at different times. But then we're talking about more mild to moderate depression or even clinical depression, what's termed as clinical depression. We'll talk about those distinctions as we go throughout the study this morning, but it's worth noting the CDC's National Center for Health Statistics indicate that 15% of America's children aged 5 to 17 received treatment for mental health conditions in 2021, raising concerns about the depth of our country's ever-expanding mental health crisis, 15% ages 5 to 17. Adolescents showed the worst numbers in the data brief with nearly 19% of children aged 12 to 17 receiving treatment including therapy, counseling, or prescription medication. And according to the National Institute of Mental Health, the highest rate for experiencing mental health conditions is among those aged 18 to 25 at 30%. 30%. According to Mental Health America, 60% of youth with major depression did not receive any mental health treatment and noted that uh, if children aged 5 to 17 do not receive the mental health care they need, that need does not go away uh, as they grow up and it follows them into adulthood. Looking at these numbers more close to home here in the Brazos Valley, the Brazos Valley reports higher rates of depression than the national and state average. 17.7% of Texans report having a diagnosis of depression, just under the national average of 18.5%. But looking at the Brazos Valley, the seven counties that sort of surround Brazos County, but the greater Brazos Valley, every county reported depression rates higher than the national average, some reporting at least 25% of adults having been diagnosed with depression. Not just having depression, but actually being diagnosed. One in four adults. And in Texas across the nation, uh, and across the nation, the age range with the highest reports of depression is young adults age 18 to 24 years old. So depression is an ever-increasing problem in our nation, and Christians are not exempt. And I'll just say this up front, experiencing depression does not mean that you don't love God. And it doesn't mean you don't have faith. It means you're human. In fact, the greatest servants of God experienced some dark days and dark seasons. Moses experienced a time where he didn't want to live anymore. David, uh, you read the Psalms, he's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. Uh, you might, some might call it bipolar it, it, that he experienced. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. Jonah also wanted to die. Paul even experienced despair of life at one point, he writes. And a prime example is the prophet Elijah. 
Elijah is a great man of faith. In 1 Kings chapter 17, he boldly confronts King Ahab with God's judgment for Israel's idolatry, proclaiming that there would be no rain for three and a half years. At the end of that time, in chapter 18 of 1 Kings, Elijah challenges the the prophets of Baal to a contest to see who was truly God, whose God truly was God, Baal or Yahweh, Jehovah God, which one would bring down fire from heaven. And at the end of that contest, Jehovah was indisputably proven to be the one true God. All the people declared that their faith in Jehovah and Elijah slew all the prophets of Baal. And then it says he went up to the mountain and he prayed and prayed for it to rain. And then rain began again. It started coming after three and a half years. But in 1 Kings 19, something happens to this man of faith. It's pouring down rain in answer to his prayer. Elijah, he runs back to Jezreel because he told King Ahab to tell Queen Jezebel about all that had happened. So we pick up, let's read the first four verses of 1 Kings 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat, under, sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Elijah got depressed. He even wanted to die. And if you're a Christian, you are not immune from discouragement, despair, or even depression, or even thoughts of suicide. For all kinds of reasons, you can go through discouragement, you can get depressed, and followers of God often experience negative emotions and sorrow. In fact, negative emotions are necessary in our Christian experience because they reflect an accurate evaluation of a broken and fallen world that we live in. So Christians should not feel guilty about experiencing negative emotions because that is an appropriate response, an emotional response to the state of our world. So this message is is for those who are in depression or have experienced depression. It's also for the family member or friend of someone who is experiencing depression. And it's for the Christian who is in a church where a brother or sister is in depression. I think that covers all of us. And I'll begin this by addressing some potential causes of depression that we see here in this text, followed by some ways to overcome depression, and then end with some best practices for walking alongside someone who is struggling with depression. So here's Elijah. He's depressed. He wants to die. And so let's first look at why he is depressed. So if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes, to write these things down. There's something part of that process that when you physically write something down, it, you, it sticks with you longer. So first, we're going to look at reasons for depression. And number one, unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Elijah has just called down fire from heaven. He's just prayed down rain. And he ran ahead of King Ahaz to Jezreel. And he, he's waiting for Queen Jezebel to hear the news of all that God had done. 
He is expecting that when Jezebel hears the news from Ahab, that there's going to be this national revival, that Jezebel's going to drop to her knees and repent and say, oh, I was wrong. I was serving the wrong God. But that didn't happen. When our expectations are not met, we can get disappointed, discouraged, leads to despair, and even depression. In fact, the way I see those different words, they kind of stack on top of each other. When you have unmet expectations, of course, you're disappointed. But after disappointment, after disappointment, and more disappointment can lead to just discouragement. Multiple discouragements can lead to despair and then leading into depression. For Elijah, even though all the evidence was there for Jezebel to repent, his expectations were not met. For he, and that, because of that, he spiraled downward into this depression. Maybe you've done that where you've expected a promotion. You've expected a new position at work. Maybe all those things that you had hopes for and they didn't happen. Maybe you're single and you're like, God, send me someone, anyone, Lord, somebody. Or maybe you're married and the person that you're married to isn't who you thought they were or what you hoped they would be. We all have certain expectations, but our expectations don't always work out like we want them to. And Elijah, he's fully committed to the Lord. He worked hard to show the power of God, and then he has these victories There's the fire from heaven. There's the rain that he prayed for, but now he doesn't see the results he wanted. And listen, sometimes after the highest mountaintop experiences come some of the lowest valleys in life. Some of the deepest, darkest times come when you have great success or you have these great victories in your life. Why is that? Because your expectations can leave you vulnerable. Expectations can leave you vulnerable. And Satan can start whispering lies like, well, that's the last time you'll do that. You'll you'll never do that again. You'll never see that opportunity again. They've already forgotten about you. And when the enemy starts feeding you lies, you can end up doing some impulsive things and having some irrational thoughts. And so Elijah is getting depressed, and because his expectations were not met, they didn't happen, he felt like a failure. And in depression, it can be common to begin to think, I'm useless, I'm incompetent, I'm a failure. There was a survey uh, by the Monitoring the Future survey, and according to the 2020 survey, this is funded by the National Institute for uh, Drugs and Alcohol, this is data collected, I think we have the chart for this, data collected before COVID-19, okay, this is before COVID hit, In 2020, 44% of high schoolers believe their lives are not useful. 44%. Worse, 49% say, I don't enjoy life. And nearly 50%, I don't do anything right. That's of high school students' age. Back to, I'm useless, I'm incompetent, I'm a failure. That's a serious problem. And Elijah, in his depression, what was his conclusion in verse 4? It is, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. He's, I, I failed, and I'm just like my father's. So it must be that there's something wrong with me. And maybe you have felt like that. I messed up once. Or I messed up big time in this area. Or I've messed up several times. I just can't keep going. I'm a failure. And you take that label on yourself. 
You feel like a failure because of unmet expectations. So I want you to consider this. Write this question down. Can you identify failed hopes and dreams that you've had? Including the idea that you should always be happy. We have this false concept that we should be happy all the time. It's not what the Bible says. Joy, yes, we're to to have the joy of the Lord, but we're not going to always experience happiness. So identify those things, any failed hopes and dreams. That's one reason. Second, fear and intimidation. We see that in verse 3. Fear and intimidation. Jezebel sent a messenger out to Elijah who said, you have 24 hours before Jezebel comes to kill you. And then he ran for fear in his uh, fear for his life. You've probably heard that acronym, fear, uh, F-E-A-R, false evidence that appears real. In his mind, this was real. But the reality is, if Jezebel wanted him dead, she would not have. She would have sent a messenger to kill him, not to threaten him. I mean, that would have been done right then and there. She uses fear and intimidation. Elijah now runs to Beersheba, which is about 100 miles from his starting point there in Jezreel. Listen, a 100-mile run. So he's the the first ultra-marathoner is Elijah here. But that's running in fear, right? 100 miles. I am getting way away, far away. And fear is almost always a factor in depression. Fear of what others will think or do. Fear of loneliness, fear of not getting the job done, fear of not finishing school, fear of your children not doing well or your marriage going right. So write this down. Can you identify any fears that have led to actions that are not based on faith and the truth of God's promises? Can you identify any fears that have led to those actions? Now, why did Elijah experience fear and intimidation? And why do we experience fear and intimidation most often? Misplaced attention. Number three, misplaced attention. Verse three, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba. This man of faith, this man of prayer, this man of boldness is now running for his life because he took his eyes off of the Lord and put them on his circumstances. All of his focus and attention are now on his circumstances. And when you only look at your problems, it will create fear and anxiety and worry in you. When Peter was walking on the water, you know, he was doing it. Peter was walking on the water. He got out of the the boat. He's walking on the water towards Jesus. No one else did that. And he was doing it, and then he lost focus. And if you lose focus for just a moment, you start looking at the waves and the sea all around you, you know, those circumstances in your life, and you start to look at that, you start to sink and you freak out. And when the bills come in or the car breaks down or you're diagnosed with some illness, fear can overtake you and you can begin to sink down into depression. Also, this idea of 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 feeling or losing focus is the idea of escape. Instead of look, facing our situation, we want to escape. And a lot of times when we run in escape, that's what we run into to drugs or alcohol or uh, sexual sin, pr- uh, pornography, or even food. 
All of these things can be an escape, focusing on something else other than the Lord. So those are some things to think about. So here, write this down. Can you identify your focus and attention? What do you think about? Do you think about what you think about? To stop and yourself say, what am I thinking about right now? What distracts your thoughts and attention? Important questions to ask. Number four, loneliness and isolation. Verse three and four. He arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Elijah completely isolated himself. And many Christians face depression because we say, well, I can do it alone. I'm going to handle this by myself. And we isolate ourselves, which is Satan's biggest trick because he whispers lies like, well, no one will understand what you're going through anyway. You can't trust them. Or what are they going to think about you? Or they aren't going to accept you if you tell them that. And you start to isolate yourself from others. And you can get to the place where Elijah was. This mighty man of prayer who prayed for the rain to stop for three and a half years. And then he prays and then rain starts up again. He now prayed that he might die. Thankfully, God did not answer his prayer. In fact, Elijah is one of only two men in the Bible to never die. How's that for not answering your prayer? (laughs) You're not going to die at all, Elijah. But in this moment, he prayed, it is enough. I can't do this anymore. Lord, it's too much. I don't want to keep going. And he totally isolated himself from everyone. Now, listen, you can feel alone and isolated even in a crowd. And just by putting on a facade and not being vulnerable with people and doing that, we isolate ourselves. There's a few years ago where I went through a dark period. I don't know that you would call it depression, but definitely had some disappointments and discouraged. But I went through a dark period and I finally got to where I shared what I was going through with a few trusted mature and experienced believers who helped me work through it. They asked me questions. They, they sat down with me. They asked me questions to help me think through some things and get my head in a much better place than it was. I needed that because I was not going to get out of this alone. It was not something I could do alone. So write this down. Am I isolating from people who love me and are willing to challenge me. Can you identify people in your life with whom you can be vulnerable, people who you trust, people who are mature and can handle that, and who are experienced in those kinds of things? Do you have those people in your life? And number five, and these reasons for depression, these are, are what we see in Elijah's life. There may be more, But these are what we see here in the text. Number five, physical and emotional exhaustion. Elijah was emotionally exhausted because he's been in the heat of this intense spiritual battle. And when you're doing God's work, it can be heavy. It can be mentally exhausting and you can get emotionally drained. And physically, Elijah was completely spent. I mean, just look back at the last verse in chapter 18. 18 verse 46, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. 
Ahab's in a chariot, and he outruns them. This is an estimated 17-mile run, but notice it says it was done in the strength of the Lord. But in the fear of Jezebel, Elijah went over 100 miles south to Beersheba, and then in verse 4 it says he went a day's journey into the wilderness, about another 30 miles. 130 miles in his own strength versus the 17, 17 miles in the strength of the Lord. He is utterly exhausted. And sometimes we can just go, 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 and go in our own lives, and we're doing it out of our own strength, and we just exhaust ourselves. Whether it's serving the Lord, and trust me, you can serve the Lord in your own strength and be exhausted and get burnt out. Or you're doing it at work or just in your life. You're, you're go, go, go all the time. And you, when we use up our emotional and physical energy, we become exhausted, which can lead to depression, depression here. Because when we're tired, we don't see things clearly. Molehills become mountains. Trivial things become massive things. And Jezebels become giants. So that's something we all need to be aware of. People who say, I'd rather burn out than rust out, or better to burn out than fade away, or whatever it might be, you know, they could be headed for a broom tree. People say, I don't need rest, I don't need a vacation, I don't need a day off. Those people are setting themselves up for a fall because you are most vulnerable to this kind of attack when you are tired and exhausted. So ask yourself, am I emotionally and physically exhausted? So those are some reasons for depression, some possible causes. Now let's look at some ways to overcome depression, overcoming depression, beginning in verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. Now we're going to see God address Elijah's physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. All right here. All those things to help him overcome his depression. So, overcoming depression, first we see the physical needs that God addresses. God lets Elijah take a nap. Sleep is spiritual, folks. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to get some sleep. Because if you, you're continually exhausted and worn out, you can make bad decisions. It should be noted that there are a lot of different reasons for depression, and one of them may be physiological factors. Thyroid issues, hormone issues, um, inflammation of the body because of your diet or lack of exercise. That's important to understand because a lot of times Christians will only look at the soul or the spirit and refuse to deal with their physical health issues. But they're interconnected. Uh, so regarding depression, if it's a spiritual issue, then deal with that. If it's any, a soul issue or an emotional issue, deal with that. But if it is a physiological issue that is, that's contributing to your depression, you need to address those issues. And some will say, wait, are you saying that some depression could strictly be a physical problem? Absolutely. 
It could be vitamin B deficiency, vitamin D deficiency. Listen, another way to exhaust yourself physically is by depriving your body of the nutrients that it needs. It's like when you put bad gas in your car. It's not going to run very well for very long, and it just shuts down. Heart disease is highly correlated with depression. Why is that? I don't know, but I'm not a doctor, but you're way more likely to, to have depression when you have heart problems. So with that, it would probably be wise to check and see if there are physiological reasons for your depression. Go to your doctor, your primary care physician, get your physical exam, your blood work, all the labs and all of that stuff checked out medically to make sure there's not a physiological cause of your depression. And of course, along with that, making sure that you're doing all the necessary lifestyle things like getting enough sleep, taking care of your diet, uh, exercise, getting sunlight, you know, all those things that have been proven to help with depression. There's a growing body of research indicating that exercise can be as effective as medication in treating mild to moderate depression. You also have all the natural herbs and supplements. God gave us plants on this earth to help us with even depressive uh, depression symptoms. And of course, talk to your pastor or other spiritual leaders in the church and consider seeking out a counselor, a therapist. Now, if your depression is to the point where you can't get out of bed, where you feel like you can't function, where it's debilitating, not only would you want to seek out a doctor to check to see if there's something physiological going on, then you may consider seeing someone who is an expert in the field, like a psychiatrist. Then it may be necessary and helpful to get on some type of medication to get you out of that pit so you can begin to address the things that got you into that pit in the first place. This is, this is where you get into what is called clinical depression. It's beyond just feeling down or in a mild depression. Understand, God is the God who sees. He understands what you're going through. He sees you. He is there for you. And sometimes God sees you through doctors, through pastors, through counselors, and those expertly trained to help deal with mental illness. So don't be afraid to ask for help. There's nothing shameful about that. Now, depression can be a trailhead to find it, finding out other sources of pain or hurt or unresolved issues in your life that have yet to be resolved. And that depression could be serving as a protector that's been with you for quite some time that's saying, hey, when are you going to address this other stuff in your life? So rather than numbing our depression, we need to allow it, that depression to inform how there might be something else to look at because depression is typically a symptom and not a root cause. Sometimes we, and that's our medical world we live in today, just treating symptoms, treating symptoms. Depression is typically a symptom of something else going on. Well, here, God took care of Elijah's physical needs first. There were a lot of reasons for his depression, but God met his physical needs first. He fed him this angel food cake, you might say, you know, cake from heaven, and let him sleep. And this angel woke him up, gave him more food. Sleep, food, he's nourishing him. This was God's answer to Elijah's prayer. When when he said, Elijah says, it is enough, God's saying, it is not enough. 
And now he's going to address his emotional needs. He's saying, I still have a plan for you. I still have work for you to do, and I'm not done with you. And we will see the details of that later. But listen, if you're, if you're not dead, God is not done with you. He has more he wants to do. No matter what you've been through or how many times you have, have failed, God is not done with you, and he still has a plan and a purpose for you. Verse 7, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. God is now sending Elijah on a 200-mile, 40-day trip to Mount Horeb, or also known as Mount Sinai. So God, he doesn't demand that Elijah recover immediately. He allows him time to physically recover before he sends him on this next journey. Verse 8, so he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? We don't see the angel telling Elijah where to go. But Elijah, he's running to God, not away from God. He's went, he went to the mountain of God to meet with God. And God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Of course, God knows the answer. But he asks because he knows that we have thoughts and feelings that are, are poisonous that we need to get rid of, and that happens a lot of times just by talking them out. Studies show that the act of putting our problems and emotions into words have a therapeutic effect as it promotes self-reflection, it increases emotional awareness, and it facilitates cognitive restructuring, also known as renewing your mind as we process these things. So God, God is counseling Elijah here. God wanted Elijah to pour out his heart and just talk to him. And Elijah begins to talk. Verse 10, so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. He has a little bit of a pity party here. He, he was discouraged with God's people. Where is everybody? I'm all alone. I alone am left. He felt that he was alone. So God is talking this through with Elijah, showing him, uh, just allowing him to vent. He's addressing his emotional needs, just allowing him to spill it all out, get it all out there. But God now addresses his, the spiritual component. Now he gets to the spiritual needs, verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. God knew what the depressed and discouraged Elijah needed, a personal encounter with God. There was nothing wrong with Elijah's theology, but there was something lacking in his experience, in his ex personal experience with the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. Now this is likely the same cleft of the rock that Moses was in when he told God that he wouldn't go any further unless God showed his glory. And God told Moses, oh, well, I'm going to put my hand over you and as I pass by, and then I'm going to take my hand off of you so you will see 
my glory after I've walked away, as I'm going away. Because no one can see God's face and live. So probably the same place, same mountain. And here's Elijah. He's having an encounter with God. And notice God first shows Elijah where he is not. He's not in the wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire. God isn't always found in the dramatic things. Elijah just called down fire from heaven. He, he prayed down rain. That was dramatic. And God occasionally works in miraculous and dramatic ways. But God was saying, I'm not just in the big things. I am in the still, small voice. And when we are depressed, what we need more than anything else is to hear the voice of God through the word of God. Elijah has been listening to all the wrong voices. He was listening to Jezebel. And we can listen even to the wrong voices in our own head. The, the things that we tell ourselves. The lies we, the, the enemy's telling us and we, we're meditating on those things. But we need to make the decision. I'm going to listen to God. I want to hear his voice and what he has to say. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you read his word? And when you read it, do you hear his voice? Here's the thing. You have to block out all of the noise. And there's a lot of noise today. More and more noise than ever before. But block out all the noise and find a quiet place where you can have a quiet time with the Lord. So that you can actually hear his still, small voice. So listen, you can go to other people, you can talk to them about your depression, and they can help you, and we can all encourage each other in this, but God wants to speak to you and reveal his presence, which brings encouragement and hope to your heart. God wants to meet you in spirit and meet your spiritual needs. So continuing on, verse 13, so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. He wrapped his face because no one can stand before God in his glory. He's like, I'm unholy, and I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. So he's humbling himself before God here. And so, continuing, suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And for, verse 14 and verse 10 are about the same thing. He's saying the same response. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. God asks Elijah the same question, and he gets the same answer. They're still working, uh, Elijah's still working this through with the Lord. God's continuing this question and answer process. But it continues, verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. God still has a purpose for Elijah. He still has a plan for his life. God only allows him to sit in his depression for so long. 
then God gave him something to do. He needed a task to focus on so he could avoid excessive introspection, to overanalyze it. He needed to stop looking at himself and his own admittedly difficult circumstances and get on with what God wanted him to do. And sometimes the best way out of depression is to get our focus off of ourselves and onto a new purpose, a new mission, and to go help someone else. Well, then God reminds him, I have 7,000 prophets who have not bowed the knee to Baal. God's saying, you are not alone. So that, that's part of that Q&A they're having back and forth. And Elijah keeps saying, I'm alone. It's, it's just me. And God corrects him on that. He was right about a lot of the other stuff. But here he says, no, you're not alone. In fact, your work as a prophet has indeed been fruitful. The, the, those 7,000 were a fruit of his ministry. So verse 19, he departed from there, found Elisha. At the end of the verse, Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. God had Elijah anoint the successor God had already chosen to carry on his work. You know, sometimes we think that everything depends on us. If we think God's plan depends solely on us, that's a recipe for disaster and a recipe for uh, depression. All of the things we've been talking about. God gave Elijah a friend, someone he, he could disciple and someone who, who would want to learn from him. And it gave Elijah purpose and it gave Elijah hope because he knew that the work of the Lord was not going to end with him. It was going to live on. So God addressed Elijah's physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. And we need to allow the Lord to direct us in addressing our depression in all three of these areas as well. Well, I'm going to end with this, because all that we've talked about so far is, is those who are in depression, those dealing with depression, but what about helping those who struggle with depression? If you have a loved one who experiences depression, how can you be a help to them? It's hard, because all you want to do is solve it, right? We, we want to fix it. Please understand, it is not your job to solve their depression. You may be able to be an influence in helping them to feel better, but God has not given you the responsibility to do, deliver a loved one from depression. So let yourself off the hook on that. Don't make yourself responsible for something you can't do. That's something that the Lord wants to do. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, when we take on that responsibility to fix it, we, we sort of step in and we make the same mistake that Job's friends made in the book of Job. You know, they stayed silent for seven days. They should have stayed silent the entire time. We, the book of Job would have been much shorter uh, after that, but after seven days, they couldn't take it anymore, and they started talking, trying to solve it, trying to fix it. It must be this, it must be that. Listen, those who are in depression, they don't need a lecture or statements like, and perhaps well-meaning statements, but there are statements like, well, just snap out of it. No. If they could, they would. Or just think positive. That's, it, may, it may sound good, but it's not helpful. Confess your sins. That's what Job's friends did with, with Job. Or to say, I've been through worse. That may be true, but you know what? To them, their perspective, that doesn't matter. 
It's what they're in. Or, or this one, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's actually not in Scripture. That, there's another verse that's talking about something about temptation. That's not helpful. You know, sometimes we, in being truthful, we're not being helpful. God would have us to be helpful. And listen, healing from depression doesn't come by shaming or moralizing. Healing comes in love, patience, compassion, and understanding. And for those who struggle with depression, healing comes by allowing the Lord to direct us in addressing our physical needs, our emotional needs, and our spiritual needs all from all angles. And sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to rest physically. You may need to rest emotionally. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some need to rest spiritually, to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, to rest in that. Overcoming depression, it's a process, and it may persist throughout a person's life, but you know what? It doesn't have to dominate your life. There's help, there's hope, and there is healing. So let's rest in that. Amen? Let's pray.